Hello, humans. Happy New Year. This is The Vine Down. You're here for a weekly show where we talk about as many topics as we can that impact missions, enrollment, recruitment. I'm Emily, your host. Nice to meet you. Um, today, audience, you're going to leave with a super deep understanding about how a framework called prospect management is going to really, uh, let's say, supercharge the crap out of your office's ability to win, recruit, be really efficient, and do awesome things. Um, we're here for a special show today. I'm super excited. It's the first show of the year. I've got like big new year energy. Um, for our audience who's watched me all the time, you'll notice that I have a slightly different background. That's because we're coming to you live from uh, New Orleans. We're doing a little bit of a leadership team offsite. Um, and I'm joined by someone who is also in New Orleans. You'll notice that we like super creepily have the same artwork on our wall because we are in carbon copy hotel rooms of one another. Um, but this is Zach, the Wizard of Oz himself, Zach Perkins, who's our CEO and co-founder of College Vine. And um, so far, Zach, you've dodged guessing. Um, I've asked you before, but this is the first time that I've like yes. you say yes. Um, and I'm like very certain that this was like your resolution to like New Year's come out of the gate and be on the show right away, right? Fair enough. Yeah. No, I'm definitely excited to be here, Emily. I'm hoping this will feel like just like one of our regular conversations, but just with lots of people watching it. So it should be fun. Yeah, that's totally how this goes. And like, as I, I really want this audience to like see how we actually, it's important for me to that the audience sees how we talk to each other at College Vine because mm. I just told Zach in the pre-show, like, this is just the like 191st time we've had this conversation and we're just doing it publicly. So that's what we're doing. Um, so as always, audience, we want to hear from you. We don't do this live show for our health. Like doing a live show is actually really very like weird and stressful. And yet we are doing this so that you can engage with us. So please drop questions, comments in the comments. We actually see them in the show so we can address them as they come in. Um, and really happy to hear your questions. We'll keep an eye on them throughout. Um, okay, so Zach and I are here to talk about prospect management, which is something that we really surfaced in one of the last shows before the holidays. So one of the shows that we had in December, you should totally catch it if you haven't already. It's available any place you listen to podcasts. It's also available on our site. We can drop a link in the comments afterwards to um, get you to the link to the audio or the video too. We had Joel Bauman, who is the Senior Vice President of Enrollment at Duquesne in Pittsburgh. Um, and Joel walked through some of the things about prospect management, which is a, it's this framework that like you can um, essentially find the best fit students, measure, operate on really great data, um, continuously measure their engagement with you, and have run a really efficient and personalized enrollment operation. And Joel was talking about how this like very old concept of prospect management, which is something that we borrowed from um, advancement offices, corporate sales offices. Um, and he started to talk about how they do some of those things at Duquesne. And it was really exciting. And the short story here is that prospect management is really like the way to build human first relationships and do it at scale. In this time of like staffing crisis and all the other things, obviously we don't have just the oper the we don't just add more staff to do more human stuff. And Zach, before we talk about like how to do prospect management, I actually really want to set the stage to talk about why prospect management. Um, I want to talk about like why admissions offices should strive to run these plays that are like more human, more personalized than what we frequently see. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, Emily, our lens is always probably like the student side. And I think that's probably the, the biggest um, driver for me of why I think it's such an important practice. Um, I think it's so easy from an enrollment perspective to constantly be thinking of like, 
the overall funnel, all the activities we're doing as an office, the, you know, the thousands of students we're working through the funnel. But remember for the student, they just have one journey. It's like their one interaction set with the school. And so I think it's like really useful to take a step back and think about what is that individualized journey for that one single student? How do we abstract that up to thousands of students, but make it still feel very personalized, very individualized. Um, and if we get that right, that's how we enroll better. That's how we have a better brand. That's how we build word of mouth, right? So um, I think like the, the needs of the student and how they experience the enrollment process is probably the biggest driver, I would say, for like having this practice uh, put into, into play. Yeah, I mean, I think about like the way students experience like consumer goods and the experience that they're having like in all other corners of their life, right? And their interactions with like Amazon, Netflix, like any experience that they have is like really high marketing automation, like very driven by tons of data where like big companies with big budgets, I'll say that, like I know higher ed, we're not there, but like there's just a lot of data that's informing students having this experience that's like perfectly tailored to them perfectly catered to them like just-in-time information operating on the stuff that they care about and like then we colleges come behind and are like scrapping to be like look at me trust me with like all your money and your time yeah yeah well it's funny because like whatever like larger marketing budgets you're alluding to in like let's say the corporate world that's ultimately to like sell some headphones to you or like a cool new like pair of jeans oh like something like, small like a yeah, one-time yeah, yeah. thing yeah like a transactional yeah. thing yeah it's like, totally how about like selling like where you're gonna live for four years like your future your social like network likely your spouse like where you'll find that person it's like a much it's bigger terrifying. much it's it's a much bigger uh, like commitment and and journey and yeah like i think it, that makes it all the more personal so um yeah glad to be talking about this today Yeah, for sure. And I think we're in this chapter two where like the stakes are a lot higher because like as students are becoming savvier and more and more students to like Mm. most colleges, students are becoming more scarce. And I know this isn't true of like the more highly rejected colleges, Akil, hat tip, but this is like for most colleges, students are becoming more scarce. So like are Mm -hmm. sort of combined with this like pressure of making this big decision students are enjoying like way more choice they're being more choosy there are fewer of them coming up with this demographic cliff and on the college side like we think about sort of the ways that we can compete for students and sort of like the level of which we can be savvy about data and like drive our teams recruiting behaviors and actions to do more human stuff like there's a lot we can do so let's keep drilling down because i think the average admissions office is sort of in this place where you might be saying like audience out there you might be watching and being like well we do personalization we do customization and like i'm not talking about like dear dear first name and feeling good about it we're not talking about that we are like distinctly raising the bar to be talking about something something different so zach like let's talk about the ways in which prospect management isn't us just saying like more personalization like how would you break apart that like the framework a little Mm -hmm. bit more yeah yeah like um It'd be kind of cool maybe to like try to like define um different aspects of it that we can like drill in on and, and, and zero in on um because i agree that like just the access of personalization like that's a part of it but it's it's not as simple as just let's be more personalized so we actually can like call out a, a framework or like a mental model that i think um can be actionable we can like diagnose how we're doing against it and, and do better so um maybe uh like maybe three places we could start like three three general ideas and you and i were talking about this the other day so i think it'd be cool to to break down is that like um there's like this overarching uh, like loop within prospect management, maybe is a good way to think about it. Um, and the first like pillar of the loop, maybe we would call, about, uh, call out would be like the origination step. How do we 
initially bring a student into our funnel? What do we know about them at that time? Um, what do we know they need to hear? Under what context are they coming to us? Like that's kind of like you could say the origin point of the loop. Student comes in, we know something about them, we're ready to do something next, right? That's like the first step. And we could talk a little bit about like, how do we know that we're doing a good job with origination? How do we know we know enough about them? What do we do next? But let's hold that for a second as a pillar. The next pillar is how we act on that student, how we treat them, how we nurture them down the journey, informed by the previous pillar, what we know about them, what they care about, the context under which they came to us. Um, and then the third is how we actually measure and develop feedback loops on that whole flow and then reinform how we're originating, what we're learning up front, where we're going for them, and how we're nurturing. And I think that those like three pillars are a kind of interesting place to start. And you can like audit your prospect management on the basis of how you do those three things. Um, I find that like kind of clarifying. So maybe we can like riff on that a little bit. Yeah. So I'm 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 seeing the circle and I'm seeing the flywheel. And like if the origination point is like the point at which you're meeting a student and like it's the point at which you're meeting a student, but also everything you know about that student from the top. And historically mm -hmm. that has just been like name and bio demo information and then you're sort of like treating that right. student just like any other student that's like one actually sort of that's like one or like the least mature yeah. extreme of like what we've seen in the past and what you're encouraging us to look at now if i'm hearing you correctly is like we look at not only that sort of like table stakes of like the student the bio demographic information but also the context under which we're meeting them, right? Like mm -hmm. basically like what actions they're taking that may give us some meaning or insight into them. Plus like way more data than we've had and seen in the past. Mm -hmm. And you're extrapolating or you're like getting to this place where you're like understanding, like what do you know about them and what do they care about? And that answer may change over time. And then you're right. stepping up into like the actions and behaviors that you would playbooks that you would run or have your team run, right? For like right. the action steps that you take. And we're not talking about like student falls into a shoot and then like, here's the journey and it's predefined. You're saying like, mm -hmm. this is the context, here is the next action. And that next action is defined by like what we know about that student from the data and the context and the origination yeah. point. And like, talk us through like those first two stages, like in a real life example, like what does that yeah, yeah. actually look like from a, from a school based on like how you meet them and what is the next set mm -hmm. of behaviors you do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually um, in, on the origination step, I actually would almost argue that traditional search is not like true origination under this definition, because like, I think part of, at least what I think is most useful is considering origination as the point under which the relationship with that student begins and they have voluntarily begun that but, like search is a little different. It's like, all right, I've secured your information or some of it. The actual now I'm going to do this of, thing to you. Yeah. yeah. Right. The, the actual origination point of search would be like whatever the next step was that then that student responded to. So like, let's say I sent an email to them, like that first email that they decided to like click into, like that would technically be the origination point. So I think that's like an important distinction. Oh, like the action um, has to be take, like some action has to be taken yeah. to imply some next yeah step yeah yeah because yeah. because i think prospect management should begin at the moment we're in relationship not at the moment i yes. theoretically know you exist at that address you know what i mean like that doesn't really make sense it, it's like uh, like it's, right. a, it's prospect management is like a a uh, an overall framework to nurture someone you're in relationship with down down a journey and so like we should begin at the actual origin of the relationship so so, so I'll, I'll just say like i know you're calling out search um but i actually think of that as like not exactly the origination point though for a lot of institutions that is the origination point well it's like we the should, best it's like the best it's the best we have yeah 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 from in the past right um and and and, and let's even be 
generous to it and say that it, it, it somehow is is the, the right origination point or it's a reasonable enough one. I would also argue that um, at the search level, like I don't know if we know a lot about literally what the student cares about, what they need, what like how they're gonna make their decision. And I think that does harm what happens next. And we'll talk about that next stage, but well, the it, ideal- Well, it like clouds it. Yeah, like oh, because sure. if you're gathering yeah. the information based on like how a student like chucked some spaghetti at a web form and you're yeah. like, this is the source of truth, like this is what they care about. Like I'd call bullshit mm -hmm. on that because like you don't have enough to operate on. Like you don't right. you don't really know explicitly what that student's context is because of the way the information was gathered. Right, right. Yeah. So so like um to, to answer your original ask for like maybe a, a real world example, um like uh Maybe we can call it like an alternative origination point that's kind of like interesting, and, and we could kind of like see how it goes through the through the loop. So, um, I was actually I was talking to a um a VP the other day, who has actually done some pretty cool stuff. Just invested in a new net price calculator, right? Um, partly because you know, generally wants to speak well to their their um, financial packages and so on, but basically is starting to use this as an asset for lead origination, which a lot of institutions do. But they really invested in a nice user experience that also captures a lot of extra data. So, so let's now imagine this as an origination point. I'm a, I'm a student, I'm a family, I'm, I'm looking at the website and I decide to go and complete the net price calculator for the school. Now in doing this first, I'm like signaling I wanna be in a relationship. I'm, I'm actually gonna mm -hmm. give you some information about myself, about my finances, and I'm expecting to get something back from you. So that's already like the, the context of the engagement is there. Next, that calculator included a lot of other pieces to it. like. Um, Major interests and um, like some academic history stuff and what they're hoping to do RFI. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it makes sense to the student because it's in the context of I'm sort of doing this little doing experience. This financial thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, all that data gets you know yielded to the to the school. And because the school knows you're interested in financial stuff, because that's why you filled this out. You you also told us a bunch of other stuff you're interested in, and you came to us of your own accord to go do this. We now originated them in a way that actually. Is, is provides almost like a, a clear and logical set of next steps. Like you don't actually need to, it's actually pretty easy to then ask, like if we had all the information on the student who just did that, what would be a series of useful things we could do with them? I bet everyone on the uh, in the audience would, would have a lot of ideas. And so like that to me is like ideal origination. And now we get go into like, let's say this, this next kind of like nurture stage where the, the process is what, uh, let's call it series of engagements do we wanna do that are high value tied to what that student cares about, personalized to them based on what we know about them and ideally um, helps yield more information back to us that helps us continue to do nurturing. And so like, I mean, maybe in a financial context, like we're certainly gonna maybe share back some, some thoughts on packaging maybe, what their net price might be. But if we also know a bit about their major, we might even call out some special merit scholarships that might be eligible for. And like, if we can deliver that to a student in a personal way and ask them for feedback on that or ask them, you know, what term they're hoping to enroll in or whatever that is, we're getting more information that then is gonna inform our next treatment. Um, and so like we can set aside how scalable this is. I think that's a whole topic we should talk about, but like in a perfect world, like you can see how sure. that journey is like a lot better than here's a bunch of emails sent out to thousands of kids, right? Well, like it alleviates a bunch of things from like the human perspective too, that like you don't actually have to know the whole route to get a yeah. student from like meeting them to enrolled. And in fact, the last step will inform the next turn on the road. Right. And it will allow, it allows like, the variance of student behavior, because like to your first point, like this is, this is like, if you have a funnel of 100,000 students or 10,000 students, you have 10,000 mini funnels, right? Like, yes, individually, yes. and you have to operate on scale. But like, it allows the variance of student behavior along the way too, because if you have a student who interacts with you on that net price calculator, for example, 
and you answer them with more information about finances and financial aid and deadlines and things like that. But then like at a different point in the journey, the student turns their attention to academics and starts interacting with like your course catalog. Then there's like, there's nothing that feels like frictiony in offering them the information about your course, like about their majors of interest and like allows them to operate on that level. Right. Because the student has to answer finances, academics, student life fit, like all these different buckets of questions and information before they feel like they have enough information gathered to make that decision. And you can't necessarily control the order in which they are like getting to those things. So you're saying like, it's okay. Like you can just chill. Like you can just look at the last thing they did in order to inform the next set of steps. Now talk to me about like measuring over time. Like what feels relevant to you as you like think about measuring interest over time and also sort of the overlay of like measuring the effectiveness of the system. Yeah. So that last well, uh, piece of the hmm. of your flywheel. Well, it's it's actually it's really related to the second one, and it's really like I guess kind of complex because like if you broaden out the engagements you're doing and what you're measuring, like you start to have like this, this sort of um, information overload. Um, I, I, well, actually, maybe Emily, before um, before we like go into some of the measurement, can I add one more thing actually to the the second piece? Oh, I think yeah. would be kind of useful. Um, well, uh, well, so first, like t- to your point about the students' um, journeys and thinking about like the next step as implied by the last step part of it too is mm-hmm. that the students are changing all the time too like we shouldn't assume yeah. the student is static in their journey like they themselves couldn't even tell you what four months from now they're going to care about but it's going to happen naturally so like it's going to probably be nice to be dynamic because that's just you know part of the course um but like and this is uh, the reason i wanted to get into this this will tie into the measurement is that i think it's really useful to take take a step back and think about what are all of the engagements that we possibly could do or want to do with our students that are going to move them down that that journey and and we can have a conversation about like how we measure them how we know it's working and how we like run tests and experiments but i think it's actually useful to have a framework of like once we have the student originated our our interactions with them can be described as a series of engagements like we can have discrete engagements we do an engagement can be as simple as a message from a counselor about something an asset that was sent to them uh an an activity for them to do on their website right a conversation with um, with a student a current student like any of those like yeah like you're putting them at like you're putting the admissions office at the control board going like here are all the things you can do yeah right yes and like you could almost imagine like for any given student and for any given set of engagements we could possibly do that we know work really well we can like determine what the next engagement should be for them right Mm -hmm. and that's like abstractly what we're trying to do and of course we want to as much as possible automate this and so like um I think it's worth just first asking, like, what is a good engagement? Like, how, like, what meets the threshold of being an engagement we didn't want to consider? Um, and then once we have that, I think, like, we now have sort of a definition of the grab bag of engagements, and then we can talk about, like, how we measure the whole thing. Like, that, that's kind of how I... Yeah, how I well, and prospect management as, like, the thing that was written, like, in the 70s by, like, my first employers mm-hmm. out of college. Um, this is, like, the, the, the original folks in the 70s who, like, pulled prospect management out of sales and development. The word yeah. they use for this actually is arsenal. And like, I really like that concept. Mm, okay. Like grab bag works too. <laughs> okay, bag. sure. Yeah. Whatever, it works well too. Others. But like, essentially like the arsenal is the set of events, human resources and print yeah. materials that you have right. to choose from. And I really yes. like that feeling like it's like this powerful word that you can say like, you know, equipped with an arsenal and admissions recruiter can then like deploy the right things. And with the right training to your point, like what makes a good, Item, you know, like what makes an item make it into the arsenal, yeah. and then the training you can offer your staff is like, okay, and here's how you know which one to grab out of the bag. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and um, 
as we um so yeah i'm excited to see where we go next so i think like uh there's gonna be some cool like yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see what we generate we'll see, we'll, we'll see what we say next maybe maybe it's not cool uh, we'll come up with some interesting concepts on that but what actually one thing that is kind of cool or i just want to flag is like i feel like when we talk about this um this can feel really hard because it's like well okay at the end of the well, day well yeah because we're like dreaming up like you can yeah, take yeah. all these different I have 500,000 students in my funnel. I'm trying to do everything. Everyone's got a million things on their plate. We're down three staff members. Like this all sounds great. I can't do it. Um, what I guess what I would encourage and what I say a lot is like, um, just for a second, like humor us and, and just imagine things that don't scale for a second. And that's like a really useful exercise. Like set aside whether this is scalable, just think first and foremost about that ideal journey for that individual student. Think about how you would do that for 10 students, 20 students, the, the manageable numbers that literally you as a human can do by yourself. Get that really right and understand that. And then we can totally we can we think about how we scale that and how we automate that. And that should be that should come as a secondary layer to it. But I always like to like like lean into the student side and make sure like the actual thing makes sense at a human level, even if not scalable. And then we'll figure that out later. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. And actually, one of the things that you you may not know that we do this on the Vine Down, but like one of the things that we do on the Vine Down a lot is talk about like things we do in corporate that admissions and enrollment don't necessarily know about. And you just did this without really calling it out. But like, this is so Zach and I obviously like, hi, I'm Emily. I work in startup software. This is Zach. He's a founder in startup software. One of the things that we do in corporate and, and particularly in startup is that we do things that don't scale on purpose for this reason mm -hmm. to make sure yeah. that like we're not spending too, too much time, like going too big in the beginning, automating things that don't work, putting tons of resources to things that don't work. There's like a certain amount of like, uh, inertia and momentum that comes when you do things that don't scale. So like you unknowingly did something that we try to do on the show, which is to say like, Hey, admissions enrollment, like we use some things over on corporate that like you can learn from and starting in ways that like, uh, you know, yeah. don't care about scaling at first is a really good test to make sure that you're headed down the right road. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so, so yeah, so like going back to like defining what a really good engagement is, what's going to be in our, in our arsenal of engagements. Um, one like interesting mental model that I talk about sometimes is like, um, if you think about like how you get a student to go from like talking to you to enrolled, like going that whole, that whole journey there, mm -hmm. um, there's almost like three, like, I think it has like three axes that you're kind of moving on that like you need to, you need to solve for all three of these things. One is there's a relational aspect literally between the student and the admissions office. Like mm -hmm. it's actually unlikely for me to actually want to go to the school. If I don't feel some sort of affinity to the people that are helping me, the school that's recruiting me. Like there's a, there's a relational aspect there that's important. So that's like yeah. one axis, right? A, a second axis I would call out is, um, there's like almost like a series of qualifications. The school has to like meet my qualification bar. I'm a student. I have expectations. I have beliefs about my future. I need to make sure that like, let's say the school is safe. The school is affordable, like a series of objective qualification things that I need to get mm -hmm. to in my head. That's like a whole second thing. And the third one, I think this is where, um, you know, a, a lot of schools actually do a great job winning on without even really trying. This is like related to their campus tour, their campus visit. Yeah. It's the imagining myself there, the thinking past. Yeah, feel like I can decision. be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so like you can get a student all the way converted if you are sufficiently maxing on each of these three axes i have a good relationship with that student they un they trust the office they trust the admissions office they have a good contact there that's shepherding them we've met all of their qualification bars we are objectively a good school for them and they believe that and then finally we've gotten them to think past the enrollment decision they're imagining themselves on campus they're there like i, I think that's like a useful sort of three buckets to, to sort of max them and so a way to think about engagements is that they're an interaction between the institution and the student and by institution it could be the school it could be a counselor it could be a current student it could be any number of configurations we could talk about that progresses a student on one of those three axes right in a way that is personalized to them based on what they needed to know or hear because we know based on what we know about them 
-hmm. and, and if possible, a bonus gathers more information about that student to do that even better the next engagement we do. Does that right? Like the, the system has to get, well, yeah, totally. Because you're, you're setting a yeah. high bar such that like, you're talking about operating in a system, you're talking, you're now talking about operating at scale. And like one of the questions that we often call on in terms of like how we make decisions at College Vine, for example, is like how we know it's working. We will know it's working when each past in, uh, interaction like informs the next. And then like that is then something that can get scaled up. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I think you can like audit your arsenal of like yeah. engagements on the basis of how effective they are at, at doing that. And so like, um, like uh, I think you can get creative with them too. Like engagements can be as simple as like, oh, here's a really cool packet we send to you. When we find out you're interested in internships, we've got an awesome packet, we send it to you. Cool, that's an engagement that works. Um, but it also can be like more interactive. Like I've seen schools who have like cool course planners on their website and they find mm -hmm. out you're interested broadly in academics. And they're like, hey, go like check out some of our, you know, our, our courses, get the students to start to build that out, play around with different courses. You're getting them to imagine themselves on the campus. Oh, and we've also gathered more data on the majors they're looking at. Now we can go follow up with the next engagement that's major specific. And like, that's an example of engagement that is like flexing on a couple of those axes, right? Helping the student realize they have the programs I want. That's the qualification one. Helping them imagine themselves there taking the courses they're going to take. That's the third yeah. one, right? Um, and we're gathering more information about them. So you, you can like really flex engagements. And I think that's how schools can differentiate. Like do really cool things over time. It's hard to get there, but like make build your arsenal and, and have it be increasingly more unique. Well, and one thing that you haven't said that's like implicit in prospect management that we should talk about because this starts to like uh, sort of alleviate or like starts to quell the itch around scalability and like volume is that this is inherently a smaller volume system than like mm -hmm. out of fear we have to operate into this funnel that's like this big because right. like we can't know what's working why when like we have to operate in this like world of very high volume which actually gets very expensive and inefficient so implicit right. in this prospect management too is like if you are doing more high value activities that are better directed, better based in data, what you what it means is like you get to operate on smaller volume, like because you are surely making gonna make your class because you're also like measuring along the way of indicators of like you're essentially like you're only spending your time on students who are highly admissible mm -hmm. and highly like likely to come if admitted. Right. And you're measuring like you're keeping track of that measurement all the time. Right, right. Yeah, that's actually um that's a really good point, Emily. That triggers for me. Um, so let's like take the mass funnel, like hundreds of thousands as yep, the whole big set. volume funnel. Uh -huh. And then the sub the subset we're talking about that you're talking about, that smaller pool, the prospect sort of manageable. pool. I think it's actually worth calling out that the people that are in the smaller pool, the relationships we've started, the prospect management we're doing, like that's what we're talking about right now. That's that pool. Every engagement there is an engagement in prospect management to push them and nurture them. I would argue mm -hmm. that anyone outside that pool that's in the multiple name pools, those are just general brand things that we're doing. Like it's actually worth yeah. noting that if I'm just a name, like, and I haven't begun that relationship, you're doing brand activity with those students. You're, you're generating brand awareness. You're putting your brand out there. You're, you're messaging that that's important, but you're actually not doing what we're talking about this relational movement. Cause that actually only begins when the student voluntarily enters relationship with you. And so like, yeah. I think it's worth differentiating between the two because we tend to um, combine the two, like, the thing we did at the way top of the funnel and getting our message out is the same as the thing we did with our apps. Those are distinctly different. It's like the second they're in relationship, we're now in prospect management world. Before that, we're in brand development, brand awareness, which is super important. 
but it's a different, it's almost a different practice. We probably could have a different bind down on that topic. Actually. Well, no, well, it's like the difference between like in a company when you're like, um, so those of you out there in the audience, like you're getting hammered by like, like basically like marketing outreach from companies like ours, like across the vendor space in higher ed. And when you are like aware of vendors, like webinars, logos, presence at NACAC, like you're essentially operating with their like marketing organization. But then like once you raise your hand, you're like, hey, I want more information on your thing. You're going to like meet a salesperson and get into a relationship and like get some consulting and like get some strategy. And like you're saying like that brand awareness thing is something that like your institutional Marcom group may do. That's like right. the billboards on the freeway. But like you're saying like a an unqualified name in your search pool is more like just like the community members who know about you versus correct, like correct. the people who are who are like in a different system getting yes, measured differently, getting that. acted on differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I follow that. Right, right. Thanks for letting me say that yeah. back to you. Yeah. So like if we took all of this like sort of cumulatively, we're like, okay, we're developing interesting new origination points for students. And again, we can think about those. Like, is it a net price calculator? Is it a vendor that we're using? Is it a different platform? Is it cool like lead capture things on our website that are very contextual mm -hmm. what kids are looking at, right? We have all these origination points that are giving us interesting data that then begin the journey with different engagements and, and start to nurture them, right? And so you were asking earlier, Emily, about like measurement. I don't think that, that that's probably the hardest part of all of this. Um, yeah. Because you can like really get like crazy with the data and then like uh, like have no sig like have no signal in lots and lots of noise. Um, so I would, I mean, I, the way I think about it is again, abstractly, we're trying to understand what kinds of students and what kinds of treatments at what time result in higher app rates, higher yield, and so on. And we're trying to basically like solve the puzzle of that. Yeah, like in fact, the that's the only question. Like that's the only question yeah. you have to answer. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, like we ultimately don't care about the um, like uh, some like special data detail of this one engagement. We actually only right. care about how much it contributes to this overall student journey, right? Um, and so like now, because we, we've been talking about how these journeys are individualized and there's different engagement students, you, you quickly have like infinite complexity. And so I would recommend that schools think about it as like, abstractly there's a, a sort of a overall set of stages we take our our, our students through right we take them from the moment sure. they we call it inquiries when they become relationship with us the funnel when they apply, when, uh, the funnel right yeah how do we break down each of those pieces and understand the meaningful actions we should be doing at each of those stages that we know are resulting in higher conversion rate to the stage if you break down the funnel like that you reduce a lot of the complexity and i would even start honestly with um like a couple of sections of the funnel, maybe not even the whole thing. Like maybe in the beginning, if it's like, we need to raise app rates, let's just focus on that. Let's just see what we can do in the inquiry to app stage and like get that right before we try to like add a ton of complexity across the whole funnel. You can like choose that stage, but ultimately you're measuring what happened. We got to make sure we track that. It has to actually be like events that we're looking at. We need to understand conversion rates based on whether you experience that or not. Um, and you can use that to then inform what you do next. So like that's the, the macro mental model that you're using. Yeah, and actually, I want to push you on that even further to say, like, because we're now like taking the pie, like, and like cast like a lasso around it, and we're like pulling it down out of the sky. But like, there's a there's a there's like a diagnosis step in the beginning. Like, I really want to like keep going down that road now of like, how do you take mm -hmm. this out of like the sort of theoretical? Because like, I can't imagine. I know the audience can't like talk back to us because this isn't this isn't a Zoom meeting. This is a show. But like audience, like please say something if you if you're like sitting here going like that's the wrong way to interact with students like more personalization and operating with more better data like understanding context like i can imagine a lot of things i am an imaginative person but i can't imagine anybody like out there fighting with us going like no bad idea so like if we take that to be true then how can we like 
continue to pull this down into a, like an actionable place, like where would you start? Across the whole thing or just on measurement? Like, what do you mean? No, for... across the whole thing. Like I now want to like transition into saying like, yeah. if we all agree that prospect management is like the thing to do and is like a nice set of uh, fundamentals to run, then yeah. like, how would you chip away at doing it? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think I think every institution is a little different. So there's probably a slightly different answer for every school. Um, like generally what I would almost recommend again, like the, back to the thesis of like, do things that don't scale, start small, then expand. I would probably start at the, I would basically define when do we think prospect management begins for us? Like, what is that stage where one like of the our relation, how do we know when the relationship starts? Yeah. And like, you know, cl opening our email, like probably, probably not good enough. Right. It's, <laughs> I, I know how you feel about that, but it's deeper. It's deeper than that in the funnel. We can define what that is. I think every institution will have different ones. You'll have different ones for different uh -huh. channels even. Right. But let's, let's choose what that is. And then what I would do is I would say, all right, let's say that maybe let's say that that pool on that definition for our upcoming class has 10,000 people for easy math. I would also have a, just a basic hypothesis about if we were to order those 10,000 by who's most interested, who's most likely to come to us. You probably have a lot of intuitions about that. You have a lot of historical data on that. I would mm -hmm. do my best to construct a very basic model to order those 10,000 accordingly. Right. So let's, mm. yeah, like most interested, least interested. Like, based on stack rank them. I was, yeah. I literally stack rank them. Yeah. Sort of. Okay. Um, and then what I would do, and again, this depends a little bit on resourcing in the office, but I'd say, let's choose the top X percent and let's go and put into practice some pretty personalized stuff with this pool, knowing that right, right now it's going to be pretty open-ended, pretty non-scale, but that's okay. So let's say of the, of the 10,000, we zero in on 500 students that we know are the highest quality, really, really good. Now, definitionally, we're not going to win all of them. We, we know this, but these are students that of all the students, we should be able to make an impact. We should definitely on the margin build and push them, right? And so let's focus on those 500 and let's, as an office, start to live this practice. Let's, of those 500, let's divide it up maybe across a couple of regional counselors. Everyone's got 50, that's your pool. And let's, what do we know about these students? What, what can each counselor as a, as, a, as a role say, what are the ne what's the next engagement we should do with this student? And I actually think it's a useful exercise. You can take like a, like a half day workshop if you can afford the time to like brainstorm that even for like 10 students and you start to realize one patterns, the students are actually similar, more similar than right. you think. And there's a couple things you're going to do, not a thousand things, like 500 things. There's going to be like maybe 10 things you're going to do. And you'll also have, um, you'll be able to get in the mindset of that student journey a lot better than when we sit at the hop, top of the funnel and we're looking down at like 10,000 data points. Right. And I would actually start to put into practice small engagements that are just getting interaction with the student, getting them more, more engaged, building affinity. Right. And you're going to start to see a pattern of, the students becoming more engaged, what they're doing. And you can start to let that be your foundation of data. You'll start to like measure an actual model on, but that's how I would start. Like just get in the practice of really qualified people, do a really meaningful next step with them, measure how that's going and try to eventually abstract that to more students. And that's the beginnings of this framework. I would recommend you do it small and then you start to scale it. So that's where I would start. I don't know if I'm sure you have thoughts on that, Emily, but that, that's what I would do first. Well, it, it feels manageable and it feels again like repeatable because I, one of the things that we talk about with partner institutions like we talk with colleges i don't know how many colleges you talk to on average a week zach maybe 50 like you know i've yeah. talked to a thousand colleges over the course of my career and like one of the things that we're hearing more and more and i think the staffing like crisis which like sorry it's not ending but like it's not is like really shining a light on is like we can't like this this objection we hear sometimes in calls back and we've been on calls where we heard this, which is like, we can't afford to do individual outreach. And there's a certain mm. aspect of that, that like I would diagnose if I hear that I would diagnose a certain amount of like operational efficiency that would indicate that. And I would also diagnose like there's like a, there's also sort of like some sad and desperate things that like 
feel obvious and like I have sort of human caring of. But then the third thing that like comes online when I hear that is like, yeah, but you would if it were effective. Like you would choose mm -hmm. to spend that time if it were effective. Yeah. And like if you were winning when you did with the right students operate with the right data and offered the right next step, like, and so you would do more and more of it. And so like that is sort of like can naturally grow. Um, I also I also think the the other point you're making is that if you like diagnose your problems correctly, then the yeah. actions and next behaviors and like what you grab out of the arsenal becomes like very right. obvious. Like there's becomes like less training and less sort of like, um, like less judgment on like what the next thing is like it just gets to be like yeah. oh obviously that this is what we do next yeah yeah like like um well here's like interesting like uh like thought exercise emily like let's say you took the 500 most qualified students in your mm -hmm. pool and you thought about individually you went one by one to figure out what's the next action i would take with them if you took sort of like the average set of next actions what would you guess how how much would that set of actions overlap with what naturally would have been like the first email that slate would have sent out in your inquiry flow like, do you think that like, when you actually look at those students and what they need, do you think that like the actions oh. you would recommend for that would, oh, would, would like, would like adhere to your map perfectly be to what, to what your no. mass funnel is? Like, probably not, no, right? I, like, I think it would be super wrong, but I bet if you got through the first like 50 of that list of 500, you would start to repeat. You would start to say, totally, yeah, yeah. Like you would start to be able to be like, oh, like it's a this, oh, it's a that. Like we're, you know, like you would start yeah. to go much, much faster, but like, no, it would not overlap with like the predefined yeah. comp flow. Yeah, yeah, so it's interesting. So like, and if we all accept that, that what we're, we're saying though, if we like, as we keep doing what we're doing is that like, despite knowing there's an ideal action for all those students, an optimal next yep. step, we're choosing not to do it because it's 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 hard, and, and that's like a that's like legitimate reason to not do it. But like, oh, it's such a <laughs> true, but like sad. You're like you know what's right, but you're just not doing it. Yeah. Well, um, and, and to your point about just like scalability of individual outreach, and, and by the way, actually, I don't think that all this has to be individual outreach or one on one. We can talk in a second about like the modes by which you can do engagements because I don't actually think one on one yeah. always makes sense. Um, but but if, it's interesting, like. Yes, a lot of institutions find that very expensive, but if you actually look at staffing ratios of admissions offices relative to like, let's say freshman class sizes, it's mm -hmm. always generally true that the staffing volume relative to your freshman class size is such that you could totally do individual outreach if you were just engaging with your, with your exact freshman class. The degree to which you can't do the outreach because it's getting bigger is the degree to which you're inefficient either at identifying exactly who your class will be early and right. getting them there. And like, so, so that's like, now granted, we're never gonna be hundred percent perfect, but like, it's an interesting thought exercise as well. Like you're like, mm, I'm I'm 10x away the staffing I would need to be able to do this. And it's like, okay, well, another way to view that is you're 10x less efficient at your ability to communicate exactly to your class at this point in time. And that's fine. Like, but but that's a gap we can close if we're thoughtful of of this, you know? Right, right. Like it's sort of like it's like giving you like academic proof on like what you might need to yeah. see in order for it to get clear. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're yeah. saying. Okay, let's get back to that point about like sort of the individual versus the institution, because like we've started yeah. starting to like touch on that, which is like, at what point does it matter that a student would have an interaction with or an, a relationship with the individual admissions counselor versus the brand versus the institution? Like, how do yeah. we view that and can sort of alleviate individual humans? Yeah. And like leverage a strong brand. Right. Well, so I think this is another like just way that students are different. Like I think some students actually really want the the one-on-one. -on -one. A lot of students we know like literally don't want that. It's actually scary to them. Like they're not ready to 
talk to scary admissions officers. Right? Yeah, like how do we see that on College Vine? Like prove that out actually. Oh, well, a couple of things. Like I, we, uh, when you're like in uh, the network reaching out to students, current students have a way higher connection acceptance rate. Like a, a student ambassador, for example, gets way more engagement in the network than admissions officers. Sorry, admissions officers, but I think you probably would agree with that. You'd, you'd believe that. Um, and students are just on a different spectrum of socialization, of willingness to like engage with like a, a very sometimes stressful future concept. Right? So, so like, it's actually not true as, a, as an axiom that full one-on-one -on -one is always better. Even if you had to go to do it, that doesn't mean that every student should have that. So I think that's just like a, like a useful thing. Um, your engagements can sit on a spectrum of super one-on-one -on -one to much more broad-based. The actual important thing is that it's personalized to the student. Like it speaks to what they need to know. It pushes them further on those three things we talked about before, whether their relationship with the school, their qualification math in their head they're doing to decide if they want to go to your school, and their belief in, in themselves and in being a student there in the future. And like a, a general email from the school that lays out some awesome resources I should be reading can be just as compelling as a personal handwritten note that a counselor wrote me. Like the, the, the latter actually might like be like off-putting to me if I'm like not ready for oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And so like, I think the medium is partly a function of your brand and how you want to be perceived in the market, but it's also definitely a function of the student, what they want, what they need, and the best way to convey that thing. Like, I don't think that a, a counselor is the, like an individual email from a counselor is the best medium to convey a decent amount of information. Like that can actually just be, right. that can be web pages that are really interactive. That can be videos, but matching the student at the right time to the thing they should see. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Like that's the magic. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's, and that's like, that allows like the institutional brand to leverage the individual humans and individual humans to leverage right. the brand and like sort of both get stronger in that as you like stand both right. up at once. Okay, Zach, very last question before we wrap it up is like, we've talked a lot about prospect management and I want you to talk a little bit as a, as a last topic, like, why do we care about this at College Fine? Like, what is sort of like, this is obviously we're bringing the audience into a conversation that you and I have all the time. Yeah. But like, why do we care about this as like a network, a product company, like that big bad vendor on the big bad vendor side? Yeah, yeah. Well, so first, definitely like on the student side, like we're a super mission driven organization. We predominantly care about how do our students have these amazing futures? How do we help launch their, their, their future life? And so like, I think we like, we deeply believe that like, this is a better way for students to become acquainted with schools, to find their right home, probably actually leads, I'm, I guarantee you leads to better retention, graduation rates, like, I, I suppose I haven't seen studies on that, but like, probably. Well, right, but it's, it has to be true that like this would up, like this is the thing upstream of your yield problem. This is the thing upstream of your retention problem. Like, sure, it has to be true. Right, right. So like, that's just like one, always we'll start with that as like a backdrop. Like this is good for students. And we are, we see ourselves somewhat as a, um, like a liaison for the students in our network. We, we feel like a responsibility to help introduce them to the, the network of colleges that are interacting with them on our platform. And so I, I suppose there's like some, responsibility we feel to like what happens next from the students. Totally. Um, but, so, but certainly from the university side, like I, I think I feel like our like reason for being on the university side is to try to make it so much easier to recruit in this human way so that you can be successful as an institution. Um, like we do a lot in our in our platform to like originate a student in the right way because they say yes to you and they connect with you or you get a lot of data on them or something. And we want to make sure that you then can take that and put into practice everything in a really efficient and, and, and easy way for your office. I think part of that is caring about these frameworks and having uh, kind of like a, like a toolkit you can then deploy to pick up all the stuff you, you have so that you can be effective and ultimately hit your class numbers. Like that's, that's like, I think top of top of mind for us. So I really like just this overlay and I'm hoping we talk about it more in future episodes 
uh, Emily, because um, I think that like this framework, if properly adopted by schools, like is a it is going to be the new way that recruiting happens. Like we were going to, I know it's an older, the framework, new old but way, <laughs> but it, yeah, it, it, there's going to be, especially now, like we didn't even touch at all on AI. Maybe that's a future topic, but to the degree that things feel hard right now and hard to scale this, um, like AI is going to help a lot with that. And I think that's an interesting thing to keep in mind. Like what's the thing we would do with our, with um, like a lot, a lot of human hours and how can we have AI make that a little bit faster for us so that our staff can spend the time on the really impactful actions. Like ultimately, I think the most impactful engagements are when that student is super qualified, ready to go, but needs that really important human touch. And how do we make uh -huh. sure that our staff can spend their time on that? Because everything else is sort of handled and is being is being facilitated in a pretty low lift way. So we spend human time on like useful human things. Like that's that's maybe how I think about it. Right, which like, it, it, yeah, is like freeing up the humans to be in relationship with other humans, like live on earth and right. not like, fighting with bad data or being hamstrung by like not having enough tools in their toolbox. Yeah, this is, um, I don't think anybody, I've watched prospect management and organizations like Joel's at Duquesne who run prospect management. Nobody has ever failed at prospect management out of like a lack of love for it. It's mm -hmm. the obvious way to do things. It fails because we can't action it. Like to your point, like we can't uh, scale it. We can't supercharge right. it. We can't make it actionable by the people who are running that system. So that's like one of the things that we at our company really endeavor to do with the way we operate. So yes, we will definitely keep talking about this. And I feel like Zach, thank you for being here. It's like high time that we expose our audience to the stuff that we talk about. And even just like the ways that we talk to each other. I think that's really important. It's like really important to who we are and, and how we, how we do work at College Vine. Um, I really appreciate your perspective on prospect management and like it's helpful to hear your thoughts on how we might deploy some of that across, you know, our partners, um, our products and our network. Um, so thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So folks, next week on the show, we have Kate Ralston, PhD, who is the director of uh, enrollment analytics at University of Iowa. Kate is awesome. She is going to talk through a version of her a presentation she did at Acrosem, which like many, many, many poor people need to see. Um, it's this super badass presentation where she digs into student mobility and she overlays uh, clearinghouse data with institutional and iPads data, as well as sort of like distance mapping to talk about how different students at different distances behave and like how they can get them to come um, to University of Iowa. So like actually maybe it's sort of a prospect management play they make by saying like, here's some data we can know about the student and like, and so what behaviors do we run based on like how they might behave? Um, so this is super exciting stuff. It's very data driven. Kate will be presenting. We'll be talking it through next week. So we'll see you next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern. I'll be back in my normal Colorado office and we'll see you then. Thanks folks.